Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 385, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to get into. The Cowboys will start minicamp this. Actually, as we record this, they start on Tuesday. They've got it this week, and this is their final gathering as a team before they will meet in Dallas in late July to fly to Oxnard to begin training camp. We are at that point of the offseason. Steven and Jerry spoke briefly to the media on Monday afternoon, so we got some things that they threw out that we will enjoy going through. Yeah, they shut down all our good ideas. Yes, they did, and, and that's why they continue to not win Super Bowls, which is fine. It's fine. Hey, you're, you're the most valuable franchise on the planet. You don't need to win for it to matter, and they've proven that. So we know what they're motivated by at this point. But we got some stories to dive into, and we will do that. But before we get rolling, it's all about Greening Law, man. They make this thing happen. Robert Greening, whom I worked with for a year and a half after I was hurt in my car accident, I was taken to the emergency room. I had a brain scan. I had multiple x-rays. I had some stuff that they had to check out to make sure that I wasn't bleeding on the inside, that type of thing. I'm not going to lie to you. That adds up in a hurry, and it wasn't my fault. Somebody had run a red light and smashed into me. And I, of course, pick up the phone that next Monday morning and call Robert Greening. I explain what happened to me. And that consultation was free. And he goes, you know what? You've got a case. We're going to go to work for you and make sure you get taken care of and that everything's going to be okay. I was like, okay. And from then on, they took care of everything, man. You talk about being that competitor legally against these insurance companies. Robert Greening is where it's at with Greening Law. And I think the thing that Matt always drives home is how they took care of him during the process, which means he could really focus on getting his back right, getting his body right, not worry about what doctors do I need to see? Hey, what about this paperwork thing? What about that? When you get involved with these things, you know, they can be scary and it can be tedious and mind numbing. And you want somebody like the green team to rock with you and show you how to go through it because most of us have have never been through it and you certainly don't want to go through it twice. No, you do not, which is why it's all about greening law. If you find yourself in this situation, if you have an injury to your person, give them a call at greening law. It's the green team, 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900. Call them now, offices, Dallas, Texas. 
So Stephen and Jerry, they spoke on. Why do you take the deep breath, man? Why the sigh? Because <laughs> we've it, it just plays out like this every year. I like the team. I do, man. I, I, I'm not going to disagree. I think they're better than where they were at the end of last year. Right. But they're going to get to training camp. I already know how this works. Steven's going to say they got some dry powder if they decide they want to make a move. If there's somebody out there that they identify, they're going to look at it. They're going to tell us we got some young guys that we've drafted, drafted in the last year or two that we're really excited about, that we really believe in. And we're going to go into the season. The Cowboys are going to be good. And that one guy that they could have spent more money on that is a proven veteran player that you want that could make plays for you in a playoff situation won't be on the roster and they'll lose in the divisional round. That's why Damn, I took this eye. Oh, okay. At least you got, uh, there, there's one, there's, that's one set of, uh, you know, one look into the crystal ball. Um, you know, man, it's, uh, I understand why they say what they say and I understand why they do what they do. It's just frustrating a little bit when they could, you know, their way, they've been doing this way for a minute. They could kind of jump out there and, and really be bold. Right. But for, but it's not really their, their, their move. It's not really the way they go these days. It's been a while since they went like that. It, it's been a long time since it went like that. And they essentially all but shut the door. Actually, they did shut the door. They just didn't lock it on picking up DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Stephen pointed to the acquisition of Brandon Cooks about that. Jerry said, while we don't dismiss any possibility, it's unlikely. And, and so you look at that and this whole idea with Jalen Tolbert came in. And that's where I think for me, this gets a little wonky because John Mishota has a article up on The Athletic talking about that a little bit and the idea that he Tolbert now has more confidence and that Stephen Jones on Monday said they are really pleased with what they have at wide receiver and Jones himself mentioned I think Tolbert has really gained a lot of confidence and is having a good offseason and I you retweeted that and I thought what you had to say made a lot of sense basically like confidence from what dude hadn't played in any games to gain any actual real confidence other than running against air yeah, man. It's uh, now I read some about him the other day, and I, I I expect to go talk to him today when I head out to uh to the Cowboys. Um, you know, a lot of it is he's like, you know, I'm more comfortable with Dak. I was thinking too much. I didn't understand the coverages and the reads. Uh, and that, let me be honest, that makes sense because if you if you go back in history, it's only in the last decade, really that rookie wide receivers could show up and put up numbers. Before then, they really didn't. Uh, they all, I mean, look at Des Bryant. First year, he caught like 40 passes for 500 yards. Um, because, they, because one, you're facing better competition across the field from being cornerbacks. And two, trying to figure out what route I'm supposed to run because damn near everything's an option route these days. And NFL defenses are pretty complex. Um, it, can be, it, can, it can take a learning curve. So that part to me makes sense. Um, and so you can get more comfortable with the playbook. You can get more comfortable with Dak. But if you talk to the players in the locker room like I did last week, they'll tell you uh, Mike McCarthy ain't trying to get fined another 100K. So practices to follow the, the letter of the law, which means defensive backs can't even break on the ball, bro. <laughs> did you yeah. hear what I just said? Yeah. They can't break on the ball and break up passes. They're really just shadowing you. So all of what he says sounds good. And he probably feels a lot better. He feels a lot more confident. 
But we have no idea what's going to happen first time he gets out there and somebody jams him at the line and press and man press and shoots him backwards whether he can uh, whether he can play. Yeah, and in reality of it being, you're talking about a guy who came from a very small school out of South Alabama and played in a conference in which there was nobody else that could really cover him, and he just ran, probably didn't have to do a lot of routes. And so I understand that part about, okay, I'm learning, but the reality of it is, is this, and this is just, again, this is fact, and it goes back to kind of what I was saying at the beginning, complaining about the whole thing. CeeDee Lamb, we know, is an all-pro. He is a legit number one wide receiver. Michael Gallup, okay, at least I've seen him do it, so I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you had the injury that held you back from what you should have been last year. Kind of expect that he'll be better this year. And then you add Brandon Cooks. Those are your three first-team wide receivers, all right? The second group of wide receivers, and this is just reality, Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fajoko, and Kevante Turpin. Those three wide receivers have a combined five catches for 36 yards in the NFL. Not much depth back there, bro. So it goes back to, again, you have an opportunity with the guy. You have cap space. And, and we've, we talked about this. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole on that because we talked about it a lot on the last podcast. Financially, I don't even know if he would accept your offer assuming that you made a fair, hey, this is one-year deal. This is what we can give you for one year. You want to come go chase a ring. Right. For all I know, he, he's like, hell no. I want a five-year deal. If you're not going to give it to me, I'm out. Cowboy's like, I'm not doing that. I don't blame him. Right. But, man, when you look at it, Lamb, Gallup, Cooks, are we not in the same situation? It's not as bad as last year, obviously. But you are a, oh, my God, Cooks is aging, and he's pulled a hamstring. Now he's out. And all of a sudden, you're forcing a Tolbert Fajoko to have to be your third guy in your offense. And we have no idea, belief, have not seen anything that leads us to believe that they can do that. No. And so that's the, uh, but, you know, um, this is what we feel on uh, June 6th. Uh, let's see what we feel on, and what we feel is, is you know, certainly, um, I mean, it's it's cool. It's It makes sense. Let's see what we feel uh, a couple of weeks into training camp. Let's see what we feel at the end of training camp, because at least then we'll have a much better gauge on what he can do in practice and what those guys can do and if they can really contribute. And if not, hopefully the Cowboys will wake up and be like, okay, we still got to go get a veteran legit number four guys because injuries happen man and you have to prepare for them you have to assume that they will happen and be blessed if they don't happen and right now one of your top three guys goes down this is who you're stuck with and that doesn't make anybody feel good yeah and, and i mean reality of this being when, when you look outside of that th there is no one and i just named the second group because behind them, you have a seventh-round rookie in Jalen Brooks. You have Dennis Houston. You have Ontario Drummond. You have a bunch of street-free agents. They got Literally, it's those three guys. It's Gallup, Cooks, and Lamb. And behind them, you have nothing of experience that has ever done anything, not a thing in the NFL. And when you have a guy like Hopkins available, I would do everything in my power to bring him here. So then I've got, okay, now I've got a group of four, and Fajoko, Tolbert, or Turpin doesn't have to be my number four guy. Right. But that ain't the way they work, bro. It isn't. Uh, I it mean, isn't. at some at one point, maybe we should just be happy that they went and got uh, Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Yes, and, and you have past, to be. They, they, they yeah. haven't done. We'll just move on and, and see. Uh, you know, when I saw Jalen Tolbert last week, he looks the part. But a lot of guys look the part and don't play the part. 
Right. And, and, you know, there's other weapons. Obviously, Jake Ferguson showed a little something last year. Schoonmaker, who they drafted in the second year, you got to think is going to be a big part of this thing. But running back to me is kind of the same way because TP coming off the injury, we assume that he's going to be fine, ready to go by the beginning of the season. There won't be any ill effects for that. I'll buy into that. Is, is right. Can he be the full guy? And, and oh, they drafted Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's kind of a fun little gimmicky guy. So maybe this is just going to be a thing where it's, hey, we're getting Tony Pollard 15 to 20 touches. I don't mean carries, touches a game. And then Malik Davis and Deuce Vaughn are going to combine to get another 10 carries or whatever it is. Deuce Vaughn was doing it at K-State. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I guess not. Ronald Jones is one of those guys. There's a reason why he was available. And and that is a big reason why. And the fact that the Cowboys could get him in a number that works for him because Ronald Jones, anybody who's played fantasy, you waited for years for that dude to break out. Ronald Jones in 2019 had 724 yards. The next year he had 978 at 5.1 a clip. Then he fell all the way back to 428. And last year when he was with Kansas City, he was an afterthought. He was banged up and all that. He only played in six games, had 70 yards. Jeez. So I don't, very much. you know, I, he's had one year, one year where he actually was a running back that you're like, okay, this, here he comes third year. He figured it out. This is going to be awesome. And he never did anything with it. No, that's uh that's life in the NFL for a running back, man. It's, that is, it's hard to catch that lightning in the bottle, as they say. And, uh, you know, when you get, when you have, when you don't, when you miss your opportunity to show that you're the guy, man, teams move on incredibly fast. You have to in this league. Because you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Unless you're the Cowboys, you just need to be relevant enough to you can get six primetime games and stay as the most valuable franchise, and then you're good. So that's cool. Since they, since I did see something yesterday or two days ago that said they are still the most valuable franchise in pro sports. Right. In, in, in professional sports on the planet, not in the NFL. Like out of all the sports and the EPL, and some of those franchises in the EPL are worth billions and billions as well, and the Cowboys are above everything on earth. They print money, bro. Without winning a thing of note <laughs> in going on, what is this, 28 years coming up? Dude, 27 years? a long time. I mean, my God. It, it's incredible. It's, I mean, it, it's a testament to the genius of Jerry Jones that they're that valuable and continue to be that dominant in interest and revenue, and they, they haven't even made the final four in 27 years. Unbelievable, man. That's incredible. Genius. Now, the other thing that Jerry spoke about, and, and this is going to be a thing, and it's his own damn fault because he was cornered on it when Jimmy was going into the Hall of Fame, but the whole ring of honor thing, he basically said that it's not going to happen, that there's no plans to make any additions to the ring of honor this season. And he did say that later in the year that that may change, but it's it, the focus right now is on DeMarcus because DeMarcus Ware is going into the Hall of Fame in August. And, and uh, that whole thing about Jimmy, I mean, he looked at Jimmy and said he's putting him in the ring a couple of years back, and who knows if that's ever going to happen. Bro, uh, you know, Jerry gets stubborn on these things. and I, You know, he should have just been noncommittal. But he got caught up in the moment, so he couldn't be non-committal. Yep. And he screwed and so himself. He com- I was going to say he committed to doing something he, he clearly really doesn't want to do. And uh, you know what, man? It may take Steven to put him in there. It might. And in reality of it is, DeMarcus Ware will be the next guy in. 
because he's going into the Hall of Fame in August. Gil Brandt was the last induction God, coming up five years ago. And the last several times that they've inducted somebody into the Ring of Honor, it's come in November. So I can see them doing this where it's, okay, DeMarcus is in the hall, and then they, they announce plans some point right around the beginning of the year. Hey, coming up on November, whatever, we're going to induct DeMarcus Ware into the Ring of Honor. Dude, it'd be so easy to do DeMarcus Ware and Jimmy Johnson. It would, same. but they're not bang, going bang, to. Get it over, get it done. Celebrate them both. He won't do it. The old and the new. (laughs) The last two times, Darren Woodson went in by himself and Gil went in by himself. They'll put DeMarcus in and he'll go in by himself. It's unbelievable. Except that it's not. And there's no reason for it, man. I mean, just put the dude in there. We all believe he should be in there. It's just Jerry being petty about the whole damn thing. Unnecessarily so, if you ask me. Like, you know, you can't talk about the franchise without Jimmy. Jimmy clearly contributed to the uh, to the Super Bowls of the 90s uh, twice as a coach, once as basically yeah. his team. You know, I mean, it's as petty as petty gets, bro. Yeah. It, it's, so we've been saying this for forever. It's extraordinarily petty, man. And it's, it's what he is. It, it's awesome. There you go. So no Jimmy this year. I think you're right, too. It may be one of those things. You know what's going to happen? When Jerry is, and, and it may be after he moves on to the next plane and has passed away at some point, you know, Steven, watch Steven put Jerry and Jimmy in the ring of honor at the same time. Can you imagine? Dude, no, he would never do that. He wouldn't want his dad rolling over. No, but I mean, that would just be, I mean, that'd be something else, dude. The other thing And again, this is where I look at this and go, okay, you guys obviously know more than we do with the success you've had in the last 30 years. The kicker thing that we've talked about, they have one kicker on the roster right now, Vizcaino. And they addressed that yesterday saying, don't have anything that's dialed in, ready to go right now. And kind of the idea that none of the veterans that are out there that have proven success in the NFL, although maybe a little bit on the older side, which doesn't really matter for kickers. They say, we don't see the guy that we want to trigger on just yet. We'll work through that. Just like we found Turpin last year. So it sounds to me like when the USFL ends, they're just going to invite maybe a guy from the USFL to come and see if he can kick in the NFL. You know, I, I get it, but I don't. You saw last year, what a uh, you saw actually you saw both sides of it. you saw what a terrific kicker could do because the reality is Brett Maher was fantastic during the regular season and you also saw what happens when you got a kicker that you can't trust during the playoffs how it affects everything that you do so you would think based on that that you expect to be a championship contender just go get a dude that you know can kick Mason Crosby Robbie Gould whomever who can make the ones you you expect him to make, who in the playoffs will make his freaking extra points and make the kicks he's supposed to make. They don't have to and if they can't hit from fifty nine, okay, fine. Do better on offense. But just get a guy you can trust to make the kicks you're supposed to make. That's all you ever ask of a kicker or all you ever should. That's kind of where I see it with this thing, man. I, I'm just it's very it's just so very cowboys. It's rinse and repeat cowboys. And you pointed it out earlier, and you do have to give them credit because the one thing that they have done that we don't normally expect them to do is go out and get a Brandon Cooks and a Stephon Gilmore. 
And it's like, they're almost like, hey, we did this. Leave us alone. We're going to do the rest. We'll get to 12 and five and lose the divisional round. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're going to make the playoffs, guys. We're just not going to go anywhere when we get there. I don't want to believe it. And then guess what? Guess what the team, like a San Francisco who, hey, Christian McCaffrey's available. Let's go get him. Oh, they'll beat us again. Or the Eagles. Man, we can make a trade for A.J. Brown. Oh, let's go get him. And the Cowboys are like, oh, we could have gotten DeAndre Hopkins or somebody else. Eh, we wanted to save that $20 million. You never know in case there's some random dude that happens to be out there that nobody really gives a shit about that will sign for $6 million in the preseason and he won't even do anything for us. But it'll be cool, huh? <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, the Cowboys, uh, they play on your emotions, bro. Because you're always thinking it's just if they just make this one more move, it's all good. And they just won't do it. Yeah, it feels that way very much so, man. Very, very much so. And, and I, I know that maybe he wasn't amazing the last year or so with San Francisco, but Robbie Gould is eighth all time at 86.4% field goal accuracy, and the dude has kicked for almost 20 years in the NFL. And Kai Forbath, for whatever crap we want to give him, that dude is ninth at 86.3. You know? I mean, there's some guys out there that are accurate field goal kickers that are currently available that you could go and get. And that might be why they're not tripping right now. They're like, they're out there and they don't, yeah, they're, they're not, they don't necessarily care about one or the other. So whichever one we end up with will be cool. I'm just, I'm just a kind of guy who would, here's what I want. Here's what I like. Let me go get it. They don't have to worry about it. Only time will tell. That's all we can do, man. Only time will tell. Dude, jump on Twitter right now and go look at what Albert Breer just tweeted out about Russell Okung's retirement announcement. He Russell Okung has put out a picture of himself as an offensive lineman in the NFL last year from 330-plus pounds and tweeted out a side-by-side -side photo to a guy 100 pounds lighter. It, 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 unbelievable, the weight that these dudes... Unbelievable. I mean, it's like, uh, remember Joe Thomas? Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. You know, because we don't realize, like, these offensive linemen, it's almost like boxers and MMA guys who walk around at a certain weight, and then they cut weight like crazy to get ready for the fight and then go back to what they were. And you have these NFL offensive linemen that a lot of the times are supposed to be huge and beefy and thick, and as soon as they retire, man, they'll drop weight like crazy. Or they'll go the other way. God, that is wild. There's Dude, no way man. that's true. He it said he fasted for 40 days with nothing but water. That sounds hard to believe. But, you know, that sounds hard to believe that you could do it like that. Yeah, and if you guys want to check this out, which, I mean, this is nuts to see this photo. It's at Russell Okung on Twitter. You can just go to his own Twitter, and he's got a picture of it and, like, his story of how he did it and all that type of thing. So that's kind of wild, man. But, you know, depending on uh, how locked in and focused you are. Remember, he's a professional athlete who did it at the highest level. So his ability to lock in and focus yeah. is, is oh, here it is. I, I fasted for 40 days with yeah. nothing but water. That's what he See, says. The experience was so rich and reward that I'm going to do it again. Well, you do it again, bro. There may not be much left of you. I just don't. He It, it couldn't have just been water water like i believe maybe he was doing something but you would have to have some sort of protein intake something that you are drinking maybe in liquid form but there you can't survive on only water 
Yeah, you gotta have something, some nutrients. But I don't. It's wild. Man, that is something else, dude. You know that reminds me of the first time I saw Dat win that football playing dude, as Bill Parcells called him. Yeah. Hadn't seen him in a couple of years after he had retired, and he went from uh, he went from he his playing weight was like two forty, and he went down to about one sixty five. And I was just like, dude, what are you doing? He said, oh. I quit eating 5,000 calories a day to maintain this 240 pounds. I, I quit taking all these supplements. Yeah. I quit lifting heavy, and, and the weight fell off. And this yeah. is what I'm supposed to This is my walk-around weight. This is what I'm supposed to be. So crazy, man. These guys like that, it's just, but that's what it takes to be a pro, and that's why yeah. they are. That is also why Flow Air Heating and Air are the pros. Because they do what it takes to get the job done for you, man. Flow Air Heating and Air, family and veteran owned and operated over 16 years of experience. For the month of June, they are running a duct cleaning special. And you can call them or text them. You can find out more about what that is. 817-808-4115. And of course, those ducts in your house, they get all that dust in them and whatnot. It's important to keep those clean, one for airflow, but also for the stuff that they'll throw into your house when your AC comes on. It's Flow Air Heating and Air, man. I mean, it's June. Then July, then August, then September. You got four months of essentially 100-plus degree level heat in the DFW area. You're going to have an AC problem at some point. Keep flow air, heating, and air top of mind. Bro, you just spoke the truth right there. It's coming. Keep it real. Let's have flow air come in and check your system out and uh, do some preventative maintenance. And the ducks thing is real good, man. It's about understanding how the air conditioning system works. I was a guy who didn't change filters very often. That clogs your ducts, which leads to air conditioning problems. You don't want to do that, man. Give Flow Air a call. Let them service your system. Let them get it right. Let them help you help yourself and give you, you know, I'm all big on peace of mind, bro. Flow Air provides peace of mind because who wants, you know, we dipped into the 90s last week. Yeah. For the first, I mean, I think we had a couple days of night. Who wants to deal with that, bro? With a bad air conditioner, Flow Air can make sure that you got peace of mind as we go into the dog days of summer, which are only about a month away. Yes, and the thing of it is, again, remember that 24-7 emergency service comes in handy. 817-808-4115. emergency service. Remember that when you wake up and you're sweating and you don't know what the hell is happening and you realize your AC went out because they service the entire Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's Flow Air, Heating and Air, 817-808-4115. You can call them or you can text them. Also, of course, JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop, easy to get to in Dallas. They're right off of 35. That's where Jacques takes all his cars. Why? Trust the work because JR and his crew stand behind what they do. It's a fair price and it is elite customer service. No, man, JR and Freeway Tire, that's the place to be, man. That is where I take my cars, and I take them there for one reason, really, and one reason only. I ain't no mechanic, man. I need somebody I can trust. JR fits that bill to a T. You can trust him to, one, diagnose the problem. Then you can trust a man to use quality parts to fix your car. Not everybody does. I didn't really realize that, but not everybody does. They'll use lesser quality. Use It's a, it's a whole rabbit hole thing. But they use quality parts. That's what I like about him. Hey, man, how about this? I trust him to charge me a fair price, which not everybody does. And then I trust him to stand behind his work. And so I always tell folks, uh, if you got a great mechanic, cool. But if your mechanic isn't doing all those things I just mentioned, take your car to Freeway Tire and JR. They're about five minutes from downtown. You go 35 North, 
get off at Commonwealth, go through the light, look to the right. You cannot miss them. They're right there. I mean, that's really the only thing there. You can't miss it. Tell JR your boys from Jam Session sent you. You can send us a thank you card later. It's it's one of the best decisions you'll make. It is indeed. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can check them out online. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote. All that stuff at freewaytireshop.com. So we take this trip around the block, and I read about this. You sent me an article about this. The future continues to arrive way quicker than I think any of us realize. But Apple, and Apple may be the first thing that puts something out like this where you go, okay, if Apple is doing this, this may be the beginning of what the actual future of all this is going to be, if that makes sense. And that is a VR headset that they will be releasing sometime early next year that they are calling Vision Pro. And the stuff on this, <laughs> this is when we, when we watch movies, like if you ever saw player Ready Player One or you ever saw Minority Report or things like that, right. this is what that is. This Basically. is a, a fully immersive world in which you can operate. It's controlled by your eyes, hands, and voice. You're no longer limited by display. The entire interface will feel present in your room. They'll use shadows to help you understand, understand scale. You can transform your space to extend your room or allow you to immerse with the scenic environment. You can use your fingers, much like in the, like we've seen this a million times in movies. Oh, where you slide and stuff. Right, where you slide stuff around, you use your hand to move stuff around, you'll be able to do that with this. All that type of stuff. It, it, it's There's so many of this. It, it's in sync via iCloud with your other devices. Your entire world becomes a canvas for apps. You can send and receive 3D objects in iMessage and interact with that object in 3D. I mean, there, there's just so much with this. You can have FaceTime and it will become spatial where people will appear in your room life-size with spatial sound. All kinds of apps will be available with this. You can watch a movie and it'll be like you're sitting in the movie basically. I mean, it's anything that you've seen, this is basically where it is. It will unlock via eye recognition. No more facial recognition will be required. It'll also cost you $3,500. Yeah, and that sounds like a lot and it is, but... I'm 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 not even looking at thirty five hundred. I'm like, okay, in two years it's what two thousand. Yep. And in five years it's uh, buy one get one free, or it's nine hundred ninety dollars. But it, uh, I mean, if you want a phone, a phone is almost twelve hundred these days, bro. Depending on what you get, uh, or a thousand. So it's not that far off. And so what I'm saying is. I'm not going to drop 3500 on it, but a whole lot of people will. Well, and the reality of it is, from what I've read about this, because I've read a couple articles on this, they are doing this, and it's more like what you just said. It, it allows people in the tech sector to buy this and own it. And apparently, there's over 500 patents that they have on this. I mean, you talk about evolutionary and revolutionary, both in one design, it's this thing. And this will allow people in the tech sector to buy it and work out the kinks and figure it out. And they'll be able to continue to elevate it over the course of the next couple of years so that the price will drop and it'll become a lot more affordable it, a lot quicker than we think. For, again, none of us are going out and buying a $3,500 virtual reality headset. But some people will, and those people will help this thing to grow and learn 
and they'll figure out how to improve it and drop the cost over the next couple of years. And eventually, like what you're talking about, it'll be nine hundred a thousand dollars and everybody will have one. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's this is just the beginning. I mean, it's like electric cars, you know, first only a couple of people had them. Now they're all over the place and pretty soon another five or 10 years, everybody will have one. So it's this is just the first step. Uh, but time moves fast when you start talking about technology and things that people yeah. do like this, bro. And it's, uh, you know, back in, a, in another lifetime when I had a bunch of money, you know, I think I spent seven or eight thousand dollars on a fancy schmancy tv uh it's impressive well yeah it was really worth it, it was i know you you guys are laughing but that was a deal because i bought it off the uh off the wall at star power so it was really like a 12 or 14 yeah i was i was banging back then um but the whole point was it was a new wave thing and it could do things other TVs couldn't do and it was all funky and new. And so what I'm saying is this is the same thing. And so lots of people will plunk down 3,500 just to talk about the experience, to have the experience uh, and however you want to use it because it's going to be able to do so many different things. You know, this really is kind of like limitless. And they unveiled this and people got an opportunity. Like it uses eye tracking technology. I mean, all this type of stuff. So the person who reviews tech stuff for the Wall Street Journal says, I felt two things when I took off the headset. Very cool. Wow. Number two, did I just do drugs? <laughs> this dude who's a tech reviewer, another guy said the device's eye tracking is the closest thing I've ever seen to magic. And yet another guy who reviews tech for The Verge said the most perfect headset demo reel of all time. Wow. So this is, again... It's the future, man. And, and I remember, I'm sure you remember this and you got to be, man, you probably got to be of a certain age. And most of us that listen to this probably are. But I remember when the original iPhone came out and this was like back 2007, I want to say. Yeah. And I, re I knew somebody who got like the first iPhone and I saw it and it, it, it just, it, my mind was absolutely blown. I was like, my God, like, they're like, oh, yeah, look at these. They're called apps and you can do this. I'm like, oh, my God, like, this, what is this? It's like, it's like you have a computer in your pocket. They're like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, this is incredible. And now you think about that. That was 16 years ago. And the advancements that we've made and all the things that apps and phones can do and everything. And I mean, it's not uncommon. I know people who don't carry cash or card at all and everything's on their iPhone. You know, they, they use Apple Pay. I pretty much moved into that world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's very common. And that's uh, in the grand scheme of, of life. That was not that long ago when the original iPhone came out. Now, there's two things about what you just said. Number one is, I think four states do it now. It used to only be two, but four states do it now. Texas is not one of them where you can uh, upload your driver's license to it. And it I'm using air quotes. It there's you can put it on there and actually use it as your driver's license because if you take a picture of your driver's license people are like no nah, that's not really a driver's license mm -hmm. even if it looks like you and everything else but there so that's coming where you really can make your phone your your one thing hold hold everything and then uh the other thing is now this happened to me and this is a downside with doing this it was actually kind of funny uh stopped by the store after i went to the gym yesterday uh, I was listening to uh, the ticket or something as I was grabbing literally four or five things. Yeah. 
I went through self-checkout. I tapped it in. I held my phone up. My phone was dead. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure I, your phone's always charged. Yeah. That's for sure. And you might say, well, just go to the car and get your wallet. Well, I went, y'all know I go to the gym at like 4.30 in the morning. I had left my wallet on the counter. I had forgotten it. And so I had no wallet. <laughs> so I just sat there like a goof. Huh? I said, well, you know, if my phone worked, I would pay for these. But since they don't, somebody's going to have to put them back. That is highly unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that you could run into that. The thing with this Vision Pro, they say that when the iPod was originally released, going back in 2000, that the market for portable digital music players was 3.3 million units. Apple released the iPod. Four years later, 26.4 million digital music players were being sold a year. Wow. In just four years. And, and you kind of expect with something like this, it's not about the now. It's not about in 20, like, oh, I'm not going to buy that. Obviously, I'm not going to buy it. A lot of people won't. It's about where is it going to be in four or five years when all of a sudden the price comes down and you start realizing and you start hearing from more people, dude, you've got to get this. Like it is, it, it is a game changer that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, think about when the PS3 came out. Right. And it was like, yeah, the PS2 is dude, it's great, man. But until you see this three, you haven't lived. And you know, the four and now, you know, what's everybody talking about the five? The five was like seven, $800 when it came out, secondary market or whatever. Now, you know, lots of people got the five now. Well, and it's one of those things as well. Like you had a great example, you know, iPhones being a part of that where everybody seems to have one in your television that you're talking about. I remember I saved up for a TV. This was probably right about the time of that iPhone. This would have been, man, I'd guess right around that 07, 08. And I saved up and bought a TV that was $1,500. That was one of those. And it was only a 50 inch plasma. And remember plasma was so expensive. Now you can't, yep. they don't even make plasma TVs anymore. <laughs> you know, the technology has zoomed past that. And now, I mean, hell, I have a 70-inch television, smart TV, 4K, I mean, all that crap now. And it was half the cost of that TV that I got that was just a plasma HD 50-inch. Yep. I mean, literally, like half the cost. And and now, you know, I'm, you can, if you want, you can go out and buy a $1,500, $2,000 TV. There's even like the 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 ultra hd tvs or whatever they have now or, or more but you can get a really damn nice smart tv that does everything you want it to do for well under a thousand dollars that's a massive ass tv that's very nice yep let me ask you something have you seen that movie megan no not yet the lady doesn't uh, want to watch it so until she goes out it's on the list i got a, a few that i have to watch when she's not because we're, we're talking about all this and we're talking about ai i was like would you want a little buddy a little clone of uh, a little clone of Matt or your lady friend or somebody like that. Nope. <laughs> to to be your best friend? No, I wouldn't even mess with that. Because of what happened in Megan. Just because I, 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 the younger generation, I think, will grow up and have no problem with that. But I've been around creepy ass Teddy Ruxpin and what grew up watching the movie Child's Play and all that crap. I wouldn't. I don't want anything robotic that might have its own AI in my home that can come alive and kill me. Bro, I just watched Ted the other day. Now Ted's awesome. Ted, if it was like Ted, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll have my Thunder Buddy with me. Right, right, right. Because Ted's hilarious. No, it's, it, but it just had me thinking between Megan and Ted and all this AI talk, like, 
you know, what if uh, what if you had a clone and you wanted to go play one on one basketball? Hey, you just take your clone out there and play one on one. Yeah, and I actually think I mean we're probably as wild as it is. Depending on how long we live, I well I I bet that happens in the next twenty years. Like I wouldn't be surprised at all because think about this. Think about like if you're my age, if you're in your mid forties. The, the Cabbage Patch craze of the 80s, the early 80s, where you had to have the Cabbage Patch doll. And then it was Teddy Ruxpin that you could put the tape in and then back and it would move its mouth and act like it was talking to you as the tape played. And right. everybody wanted that stuff. Well, now right. the technology is coming out. Every kid, at some point, they're going to have, hey, it's our three-foot AI doll. Your child <laughs> will always have a It's going to happen. Yeah. And somebody will, it'll probably be Apple. And that doll will be connected to all your stuff and can do anything. And it'll, it'll know be your likes and your dislikes right. and your interests. And it'll be that generation will grow up and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I've always had a buddy. And then as they get older, like, hey, don't you ever, don't you want a girlfriend? Oh no, I, I have my sex pot that I you know, we we've been Bro. together for years. Bro. I see I could see that thing coming around real quick. Well, I guarantee Whatever, you. Whatever, whenever, yeah. however. I mean, let's be honest. That's VR is everybody's going to be going down that rabbit hole real quick. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it much until you said it. I've seen a lot of movies, man. I, I know how this stuff works and, and everybody well, kind of understands you know, it. What happens is the reason why you say it can take over, it's because, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having, uh, you know, Maddox is out there playing with his buddy and you go, hey. Let me make sure nothing happens to Maddox. So you program it. Hey, Maddox, uh, little buddy, right, make yeah. sure nobody, nobody, nobody takes Maddox or nobody, you know, hurts Maddox. And then, you know, you know, and then, you know, it's a, then it goes crazy like Megan during yeah. basketball game. You hurt Maddox. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a powerful robot that can bend steel. So I'll just rip your arm off. Dude, it's something like that is really plausible to me. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but a couple of years ago when Chris and I went and toured NASA down in Houston, they walked us through their robotics department. They have robots right now that are humanoid looking that can jump up on tables that they're working yeah. on the AI with that can't. And they were telling us, oh, yeah, that robot there can bend steel. I'm like, we're done. What are we doing? Well, you know, that's that's how wars are going to be fought. They're not going to kill civilians. Right. They're my bot against your bot basically and then ai will take over and go why do we keep losing ourselves and that's the end of us dude you know what happens is and you know some of y'all are rolling your eyes going hey you guys are gonna no because what happens man all it takes is one goofy ass person to change the ai program as, as it's written and put all this other stuff in there you know what i'm saying so, like, you know, 99% of people are programming it the way it's supposed to be programmed and everything's cool. But there's always this one renegade, man, who always wants to do more for whatever reason, be it power, be it money, be it fame. And then they start messing with stuff. And that's how disaster occurs. You're right. And that's now the second straight podcast. We've predicted our own doom because of AI. <laughs> Don't say you weren't warned. Yet. As I told Matt beforehand, I was on AI. I like to just see how it works. Uh, I, I ran into something today that said, hey, uh, we can write tweets for you with AI. And so I, t I typed in there, Dak Prescott, because I wanted to see what kind of tweets it would generate. And it generated quite a few. It generated like 15 or 20 of yeah. them. 
how good is Dak Prescott? But they all sounded so fake and phony to me. I would never use them. Mm. But I could see how some people could. But they were they sounded robotic to me. They didn't sound because there was no context to them. They were just quotes about Dak. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't know if it was me or if it was them. It's crazy, man. But that's the world we're going to. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is something that I'm sure several of you are aware of, but they have passed a bill in Texas that has been sent to Governor Greg Abbott that if he signs it, would eliminate the annual vehicle safety inspection requirement that would go into effect Jan 1 of 2025, and you would no longer be required to go get an inspection each and every year. Although, if you live in DFW, all the major counties in Texas, and that, I mean, that's obviously Collin, Dallas, Denton, Ellis Johnson, Kaufman, Tarrant, Rockwall, all those around DFW, you would still have to go get an annual emissions inspection but that's not the same as a safety inspection right perhaps the finest thing he's ever done maybe but i will tell you this because i currently live in alabama and they do not have a state inspection right the amount of cars on the side of the road here is stunning is that right yes because people now alabama is a poorer state and the reality of it is there's a lot of people here who can't afford to get a better car or get certain things fixed on their car And because there's not some inspection that makes you have to do that, people around here will drive cars that it's mind boggling. And I, I don't even, I would actually guarantee, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't know that I've ever gone from my house to work without seeing at least one car on the side of the road because somebody had to give it up. Wow. And it happens all the time. All the time. And so the kickback on this is, that the people against it are saying it could put drivers and others in the roadways in danger because of things like that, because you're not inspecting the car to make sure everything works the way it's supposed to, or, Hey, you need to go get this fixed or you can't drive this car anymore. Now there's no way to know. So you're just driving down the road and your tire flies off or whatever it is. I'm being excessive there, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. I had, like I said, I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. Uh, so I, you, what you're trying is like helmets and seatbelts. You're trying to protect people from themselves. But at some point, uh, you know, government doesn't have to be involved in every single solitary thing. No, and, and Texas is one of the few states that still requires an annual inspection. I think that there's only, right. uh, there's not a ton that do it. But that was like one of the very first things. I noticed this when I lived here before. I mean, it, it's very, very noticeable because you're just like, God, holy crap, there's a lot of cars just on the side of the road. And I didn't realize why at first. And I brought it up to somebody like, oh, yeah, we don't have a state inspection. So there's a bunch of really horrible cars that shouldn't be driven that people just drive around. I'm like, oh, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. And then the car just stops working. So they get on the side of the road and it's just there. It's just abandoned. And the county in which I live in is a bankrupt county that doesn't have any money to do anything about it. So it, it sometimes will take. I mean, I've, I've driven by the same car for probably two or three weeks once before it got removed. Wow. It just sits there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a different thing, man, not having the state inspection. But yes, I get it. It's a headache because you got to do your registration and then you got to go pay for the inspection and all that type of thing. But I, I'm telling you, man, if this passes, if he signs it, and he will, get ready for it because by this time in 2025, you're like, holy crap, seems like there's a lot more cars on the side of the road now. 
I can dig that. I can see that. It'll happen. Get ready. Wow. But that's on the way. Also on the way, you should be to Smokey John's Barbecue. So you can pick up your jam session bowl. Do it this week. If you haven't been to Smokey John's, which is amazing to me that some of you could still be listening to the podcast. If you, especially if you're in the DFW area, there's no reason why you haven't gone to try this. Now, if you're one of our listeners that doesn't live in Texas, still really not an excuse because we have seen pictures from a couple of people who went to Dallas specifically to try the jam session bowl. <laughs> Catch a flight. It's not that expensive. They made it for our jam fans. They made it for you. Plus, it's worth it. It's not on the menu. It's insanely good. Anything you do at Smokey John's is insanely good. But man, this is the jam session bowl is just on a different planet. Dude, it's that mac and cheese base or that mashed potato base. Two out of five smoked meats makes it delicious. And then, you know, just so you know, I usually rock with the with the brisket and the sausage. But then, then that's when it becomes special. All the stuff you find on the loaded baked potato, you know, chives, butter, sour cream, bacon bits, all that good stuff, man. They put it on there and then they drench it or drizzle it, whatever you prefer or prefer, with that fantastic Smokey John sauce. And bro, it is something to live for forever and ever and ever. It's fantastic. It's Smokey John's barbecue, man. They're local, they're family owned. Check them out. You can find them online at SmokeyJohns.com. They've got their sauce and their rub at HEB now, so you can find those guys in stores if you're looking around for them. It's just, it doesn't get better than Smokey John's Barbecue. It really doesn't. I think you're going to love the Jam Session Bowl. So if you get a chance, go give it a shot. You'll like it. It's really, really good. No, you'll love it. It's true. You will. You you will actually love it. Send us a picture. Yeah, and send us a picture because I love seeing that. I like the ones because we've seen it. It's interesting to see the people that will go and get it that actually eat the whole thing by themselves in one shot because so many people will send us a picture and go, man, you guys are right. I could knock this out on my own. And then somebody else will send us a picture and go, oh, I did it. I'm like, man, that is impressive. Like That's legit impressive for somebody to eat that thing by themselves in one sitting. Dude, I've never eaten the whole thing by myself. It's in incredible. Never. Normally, I share it. It's uh, It's... Yeah, I say it all the time. It's enough for two. Easy. And if you got a shorty, it's enough for, for two and a half. It really Easy. is. Easy. So, you know, if you can kill that by yourself, thumbs up to you, baby. Yeah. Also, of course, made possible by HFX Foundation Solutions, full service foundation repair company. They take care of the entire DFW area. No matter what your foundation problem is, and maybe something real easy, it may be a little bit more significant. They also handle drainage, which plays into your foundation. Your gutter installations, you need to have gutters. So it's, it's amazing to me how many homes don't have gutters and people, oh, it's no big deal. Especially in Texas with your foundation, not having gutters, which doesn't flow the water away from your home right, eventually will screw up your foundation. So get those taken care of, man. And HFX Foundation Solutions handles all of that. So if you're seeing those cracks, those sticking doors, or maybe you just don't have gutters, go ahead and get that taken care of before the summertime really gets into the heat. And then eventually there'll just be some colossal downpour and make sure that you're set up correctly for that. Dude, HFX is all about peace of mind, man. Foundation issues can just wreck your home, wreck the home's value. You don't even want to deal with that mess, man. The easiest way not to deal with it is have Aaron and his team come out, check your crib out, give it what we lovingly call that colonoscopy. Let them check it out. Everything from the Rudy to the Tootie. Make sure everything is good. And then once they do that, you get peace of mind because if you don't, you just want to go on your own, man. 
by the time you call them, something may have happened. You say, oh, this is why the doors have been sticking and why the windows have been sticking and why I got cracks up here. This is why. Now I got a problem. If they find something, chances are, chances are, they find it early. And when you find it early, we all know it's a lot less than when you find it late. So give Aaron and his team a call. Let them give your home that colonoscopy for the crib that we talk about all the time. And as we like to say, get the peace of mind that comes from that. Yes, indeed. It's important to have that, man. 817-770-0174. Online at hfxfoundation.com. So the news comes out, and this is from a couple of people on Twitter, two that are very, 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 very tied in as much as anybody possibly can be to the NBA. Shams, who covers the NBA and is tied in as anybody, and then I believe it was Chris Haynes, as I recall, who is now with the Bleacher Report, both yeah. in separate reports, putting out that Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron James to see if he, LeBron would come play for the Dallas Mavericks next season. Now, this is interesting on a couple of fronts. One, how in the world the Mavs could make that work, I have no idea. They would have to give up a ton of dudes. It'd, it'd be Hardaway, everybody, Kleba. Everybody except Luca and Kyrie. You'd be giving up a bunch <laughs> just to make the salary part of it work. And because of the NBA's new collective bargaining agreement, there's there's more of a hard cap. And having LeBron, Kyrie, and Luca on the same squad, because Luca, or excuse me, because Kyrie is a free agent, doesn't have a contract. Really, the the best way for it to work would be for LeBron to have, to get a buyout, have the Lakers buy him out, and then LeBron and Kyrie would have to agree to come play here for less than what they could get if they didn't. And I'm talking about less, less to make the numbers work to have that type of guy on the team. The other thing that it seems to show is that Kyrie apparently wants to stay in Dallas. I mean, I can see that Dallas is a cool city. The team is good. Uh, he likes Jay Kidd. They've been kissing his butt. Why would he want to stay? And I've said this for years uh, in the most respectful way. The Dallas media, to me, is one of the best medias because it can be hard, but it can be fair. But it's not New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, you, you get great coverage here. I really do that. And I, I don't think I'm saying that in a biased tone. You can get great coverage here uh, without dealing with all the stuff you have to do in New York or the circus that is the Lakers, which is much more like the circus that covers the Cowboys. Now, a couple of things about this. One, when I first saw this, I like, oh, God, please no. LeBron James does his best work with the ball in his hands. Kyrie Irving does his best work with the ball in his hands. Luka Doncic does his best work with the ball in his hands. So do we, do we want three dudes that really all need the ball in their hands <laughs> to do what they do best with one of them being a guy who's going to be 39 years old. And, and granted, LeBron had a phenomenal year last year when he was playing at 38. But I just thought, I mean, how, how, how does it work with all three of these guys who all basically play the same kind of game? I don't think it does work. I mean, that sounds like something you, you want to run through on uh, NBA 2K and impress all your friends. Right. Uh, and, you know, LeBron has always been a facilitator mentally. Now that he's getting just a little bit older, although he's still dynamic, he could be more of a facilitator. But what does that mean? Still means he's got to have a ball to be a facilitator. Uh, Luca certainly pounds the ball. And then Kyrie, we all know, can play off and shoot 
uh, standstill threes and all of that stuff, but that ain't his best game. So it was hard enough to get two guys to figure out yeah. how to do it, let alone three. And then let's not even let's not even BS about it, man. How are we gonna figure out who who take the shot at the end of the game? Yeah, either that would be up no, to Jay Kidd. I mean, they'd either, have to fight each other, paper, rock, scissors. I don't know. Well, what happens is either you all become like, no, Matt, man, you're great. You take it, man. No, Taylor, no, you're great. LeBron you take would probably it. give it up and not really care. Right. Well, even if that happened, you still got the other two. So, uh, you know, it's uh, that, that, had, that sounds cool, man. But I don't know if it would work on the court or in the salary cap room. Yeah, and, and – you know, the other thing of it is, is LeBron has kind of said before that he wants to play one season with Bronny, his son, and then retire, which would mean two more years in the NBA. Right. Bronny's going to USC, which is in L.A., where LeBron currently plays, and I'm sure the Lakers would be more than willing to let him, hey, I'm going to go watch Bronny play. Oh, okay, cool. Just put down that I'm my hamstrings tight. <laughs> like, do you, does does he really want to come to Dallas the year that his kid's going to be in the area playing his one year of college basketball? Yeah, I don't think so. I I, I just don't see it. And you know, I, I like that Kyrie apparently wants to be here because think what you will of Kyrie Irving, he was really really good when he was here for that little chunk of the season last year. Offense is not their problem. They need to, like, if I'm the Mavs, just go, how do you find a couple of elite defenders and get them to come play here? You don't need mm-hmm. more dudes who can score, honestly. They're a team without a, an identity. And part of the reason why they don't have an identity, I mean, that's part of the reason why they struggle to figure out how to put something together. You can't figure out what players you need to thrive if you don't have an identity. And I always say this, like, you can say what you want to about the Cowboys. They're an offensive-minded team. Most of the things that they do, most of the moves that they make are done with offense in mind. Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, those are defensive-minded teams. You know, uh, the L.A. Lakers, that's a star-minded team. Whatever they do, they're going to have some stars out there. I mean, so you just figure out what your team identity is, and it's a lot easier to operate. The, Cow- the, the Mavericks don't have one, and it's, it's hard. They got Luka. He's a great player, but what is your identity? What is it that you do? Who are you as a basketball team? They can't answer that question, bro. Yeah, and, and look, having somebody like LeBron, even if it was for two seasons at the end of his career in a Mavs uniform, obviously people would flock to that and love seeing it, but I, it just, for me, doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. And, and they got to figure out how to get Kyrie and Luka to function together and find some better defenders. Or Luka just has to decide, you know what? I'm going to Michael Jordan this thing and turn myself into an all-NBA defensive player. Right. Which he has not ever gotten close to that level. And maybe try and develop Hardy a little bit more. And you got Josh Green. You got some pieces. But you you, you got to find somebody who can defend. And I just, man, I, I just don't know how the fit with LeBron. Would, I mean, you'd score a bunch, but you would give up a ton like you, that, like they did last year. Who's going to stop anybody? Right. Nobody. <laughs> that's the problem, man. And that's what happens when you – we don't have an identity. All these wild things come to you because you don't have an identity. When you have an identity, it's not nearly so much wild stuff because you go, does that really fit what we do? No. 
Um, my boy, who I work out with every morning, uh, this is not unusual, but, you know, he developed, let me see how to say this. Like, companies do this all the time. Companies have their core values and what their motto is and all that. Yeah. Well, he did it for himself on a personal level. These are my personal core values. And so when people come to him with ideas or thoughts, because he's a successful businessman, when people come to him with ideas or thoughts or this or that, first thing he says is, does this fit into my core values? And if the answer is no, he don't even want to hear what he don't even want to hear you pitch. The answer is, nah, bro, that don't really work for me right now. I appreciate it. Talk to you later. Well, the Mavericks, if they had a core values of who we are as a basketball team, when things were presented to them, they might just go, you know what, that don't really fit who we are. So nah, we're going. That's a hard pass for us. Yeah. So it's. I don't think it's going to happen. It's obviously not impossible. It is certainly not impossible. It just doesn't feel like this is something that can realistically take place. Which is no, this is a good off-season BS chit-chat story, right? Now, where do you think it came from? I mean, I legit, I legit think Kyrie reached out for, to to LeBron. It's like, hey, come play in Dallas. Figure out how you want to make no. it work because I'm going to stay here. Oh, I believe that. No, where did the story come from? Like, how did it get out in the public space? I would imagine Kyrie probably told somebody. See, I don't think Kyrie told anybody. I think this is a LeBron, LeBron people. Like, you know, because everybody's got the. Here's what happens with national reports stuff. You checking in with guys on a regular basis. Yo, what's up today, dog? Man, the fuck happened, bro? Yeah. Kyrie called Brian, talking about come to the Mavericks. Dog, you lying? Oh, square. I'm straight up, dog. No cap. That's what happened. He called him. He had these thoughts. Da 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 da. Oh, really? I can go with that? <laughs> yeah, bro. That's how that's how these things happen a lot of times. That's what it sounds like to me. Like Kyrie to me does not sound like the guy who said, "Oh, let me just hit up my favorite reporter and tell him what went down." Because I don't think he has a favorite reporter. Um, or you know, his agent was like, "Oh yeah, let me let me spread the news." This sounds more like a people checking in on LeBron's side and said, "Dog, you won't believe what happened today." What? No, guess man. Guess who called Brian said he wanted to hook up? Who? No, no. You got to guess, man. Uh, Bradley Beal. Nah, bro. Bro. Nah, nah. Come on. Stop lying, dog. Kyrie did not call. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's how it probably went down. Live reenactment of the <laughs> phone call <laughs> between Shams and LeBron's people. <laughs> I say that because I've been on a few of those where there were other players yeah, and you're yeah. just doing your work checking in. Hey, what's up with Brian? Anything going down? Anything shaking? Dog, you won't believe what happened, man. And you don't? And with Brian, he got so many people in his circle. Like, uh, you don't know who it was. Like, you don't know if it was Rich Paul, if it was Maverick Carter, if it was who. But I would imagine it was somebody in his circle. Time will tell how this is going to play out. I mean, the Mavs got to re-sign Kyrie first. In an NBA free agency doesn't open until June 30th, so we'll see how that goes. The other news of note that came down is with the Rangers. And man, I know we keep talking about how insane they are, but as a lifelong heartbroken Rangers fan, the chance that I can attach to what is happening right now is just unbelievable. They beat St. Louis, and we'll see what happens on Tuesday since we're recording this on Tuesday. So by Wednesday, maybe they've won five in a row. Maybe they're 40 and 20. I don't know. Right now they're 39 and 20. But entering... The game yesterday, you know, the Rangers lead the league in runs, RBI, run differential, batting average, on-base percentage, 
they've allowed the fewest home runs and the fewest hits as a pitching staff and have the second lowest ERA in Major League Baseball. Pretty damn impressive, bro. It's insane. It's, and it's, it's just so nuts how good they are playing. And then, of course, the news coming out that they have moved Jacob deGrom from the 15-day IL to the 60-day IL. And that means that the earliest that he can return is June 28th. He also does not count against the 40-man roster. They are having a follow-up MRI on DeGrom as we record this again on Tuesday. It'll happen today. The first one that he had came a little over a month ago, did not show anything more than right elbow inflammation. He's thrown five bullpen sessions since then. He then went to Florida this past weekend for the birth of his third child and hasn't thrown since coming up a week ago. So they want to be cautious as they can with him. They want to make sure the inflammation is gone, see progress for his symptoms, and and see how this turns out. But again, this is a dude who hasn't faced a hitter in 37 days, and you kind of wonder. You The hope is that the inflammation is gone, and this is not, my God, you need Tommy John. Yeah, I mean, that would be the worst-case scenario. Anything that keeps him available uh, for the foreseeable future is good. Even if he has to make three starts in September, you don't see him until then. That's fine. You just want him available for the postseason if you can. To me, that's the goal. Whatever we got to do, see how we're talking now? Can we get him to the postseason and then check it out from there and see how it rocks? Yeah, and and that's where this is going to be very, very interesting because the Rangers are are so good right now. You know, Ivaldi has been fantastic. Martin Perez was lights out on Monday night against the Cardinals. And as I mentioned, They have the second lowest ERA in the majors. It's 3.16. But as good as this team has been, you know, I'll be curious to see what will they do as far as the trade market goes as they, you you have to look for relievers. I think that's obvious. But as a starting picture, perhaps also going to be a possibility. And it's interesting because I don't know if people saw this or not, but they, They've got the capital to trade. We know that as far as players go. And they should be able to add to the payroll because a bankruptcy judge ordered Diamond Sports to fork over the TV rights the Rangers are due, which is the (laughs) Bally world. And and this is going to get really, really interesting here. And this is something that has happened in the last few days. Can you pay what what you may or may not have? That's always a question. Like, okay, I owe you $140 million but I only got $60 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. So I know I owe this to you, but can I pay you what I don't have? Uh, to me, man, it's all about the bullpen uh, because the, the starting pitching to me has been good enough to do what it's done thus far. Uh, when you get to the postseason, you're not going to need as many starters. Uh, but right now, if you can just solidify the bullpen, dude, that would just be huge. And I don't mean stars. I mean just your normal pitchers. Not guys who suck. Right. Just your normal guys. Like, they finally sent down Jonathan Hernandez. And I'm like, you know, at, at one level, I'm like, hey, hey, Bruce Bochy, good job for you. You gave him every single solitary opportunity to get better and to figure out what was wrong with him. And he just couldn't do it, so you moved on. And we're, in, we're now in June. And so, you know, the, the, the situation has changed. And so the um, – 
you know, I think guys are, are going to be pressed now. They're not going to be as uh, patient as they have been. It's like we need you to produce because the Astros are coming. I mean, the Astros got to be going, did we really just win 18 yeah. out of 23 and lose a game? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's pretty like, nuts, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think they won at one point nine or ten in a row and, like, didn't do anything. And um, so my point is the Rangers are – I believe that they're here. I ain't breaking no news, okay? But it sure as hell looks like they're here. So if they're here, everything's changed. You know, we're not just about, hey, it's been a good season. Now it's like, like dude, I looked this up yesterday um, or this morning. I can't tell. The days run together. Okay, forget – just look at one thing. The Rangers have lost 20 games this year. Who's lost fewer games than the Rangers? Tampa? Yeah, they've lost 19. I believe that's it. I think it's only Tampa. That's it, bro. Yeah. And they've played like three or four more games. So what I'm saying is this ain't no fluke. We're in June, and the only team that's lost more games is Tampa, and all we know about Tampa is it feels like they've been killing it because they started off 14-0 and or whatever it was. And uh, the Rangers are right there. And so, you know, bro, this, they, they now have a chance to win it. So when you have a chance to win it, all the things change. Um, I can't wait to see this series uh, in a couple of days when they match up against Tampa just to see, like, okay, here's the two best teams in the American League right now. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, and this is, again, the wildest thing about this whole bit is – We've been alive for some really good Rangers baseball teams. We've seen some really good Rangers baseball that never were able to get it done. The Rangers in the history of the franchise have never had a team win more than 96 games. This current team right now is on pace to win 107. Yes, sir. Now, are they going to stay at this pace all season? I don't I know. I not think so. But, but I mean, we are getting to a point. I mentioned this the other day. You're getting to a point where let's say they win on Tuesday night and they're 40 and 20. Then you got 102 games left. And if you go 51 and 51 and just play 500 baseball, I mean, you can do the math. That's 91 wins right there. Just playing 500 the rest of the way. Yes, sir. You just drop down to an average team and you're 91 wins. That gets you in the playoffs pretty much every damn year, man. I mean, especially in the second wild card era, you're a playoff team. You win 90 plus games, bro. That's what they're on. And that's 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 them regressing and just being an average baseball team the rest of the year, which there's no sign that that's something that's coming. Um, yeah, it's uh, dude, they, they got a really good team, a really, really <laughs> good team. Um. And they got a team because the guys we thought would play well are playing well. And then the guys we hoped would play well are playing well. And then guys we never even thought about are playing well. Like, who thought Jonah Heim would come in and give him what he's giving him? Or uh, who thought Young would be hitting 290 in June? Uh, so, or, you know, Duran would be tearing it up at five different positions or whatever, wherever they're using. So, uh, you know, they are, they're a really good team. And uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. They play with a tremendous amount of confidence. And uh, they got a manager who understands how to do it. So they're here for the long haul. It's just a matter of how deep they go. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, it, it's. I feel like every time we do this, there's some new franchise record of, oh, this is what it is now through 59 games. And then, I mean, it, it is 
the stuff they're doing is incredible. And it's hard not to get crazy excited, but there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. Long way to go. I mean, there's 103 games left. Let, let's get let's get through. And again, it was let's get through April. Okay, okay. Now let's get through May. Like, oh, oh my God. Okay. You're like, all right, right. you get into June, man. This, I mean, this thing. And again, the other thing about this, this is a Rangers team that is going to have multiple, multiple all-stars at the all-star game. Well, who do we think? I mean, Simeon, I, who don't Seager. you think? Honestly, Seager, Simeon, Eovaldi is going to go. Uh, John Gray going. might go. Garcia is going to go. Young's a possibility. I mean, that's six. Yeah. I wonder what's the most we had ever for the Rangers. It's got to oh, be six, sure. I bet. Six sounds about right. It's probably the 2011 season. I'm trying to think because man, in the 90s they had several. They would they would send them all the time. Yeah, they had a great team and no. Let's see. They if had I great players and an average team. Let's see. They had geez, even in 2021 they had three. That's impressive. They had three in 2019. Let's go back yeah, to they, holy they, crap. They okay, so great. one, two, three, four, they had five, some great six. players, but not great teams. Whoa, they had eight in 2012. I told you that was probably the year. I said 11. Yeah, 2012 was Mike Napoli, Adrian Beltre, Josh Hamilton, Elvis Andrews, Hugh Darvish, Matt Harrison, Ian Kinsler, and Joe Nathan. Hey, those were all legit that year, too. They had five in 2011. They had six in 2010. I'm trying to think. It seemed like one year in the 90s they had a bunch. I guess they never really... Yeah, 98, they had four. Well, you know what it was? I know why I thought that. Because back then, if they had like three dudes, I was like, oh my God, look how many all-stars we got. <laughs> yeah, see? Because you never, it never happened. Like, I mean, the Rangers for years and years would just be, the one guy would get in because you had to have the one guy. And then the right. 90s came around and you might have two, you know, with like Ruben Sierra would make it with Julio Franco or or the pudge started making it every year. And then maybe somebody like a Ruben Sierra would go or a Juan Gonzalez would go with him. But yeah, the most yeah. I've ever had was eight in 2012. And man, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, you look around with what they're doing right now. I mean, I, I think six is the minimum that they're going to have. Yeah, that's about right. You know, and I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Young's an all-star as a rookie. He's playing elite level defense at third base, hitting 293, 12 home runs. That would give him no, seven. He's, no, he's been fantastic. And with the pitching that they've had, I mean, right now, I think Uvalde and Gray are going to go. That's two pitchers. Man, this is nuts. Right. Crazy. What a crazy team. Dude, they're good, though. They are. They are good. All right, guys. There you go. That's a podcast for you. I hope you enjoyed that one. We'll be back again. Have another one dropping for you on Friday. Continue having a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. 
Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.